Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of the F1 show from Suzuka in Japan for the Japanese Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and we had a monumental live <laughs> event last night. Monumental being the word of the day. Yes. Uh, yeah, lots of you guys joined us, and, and we'll know all about what we talked about. We announced it at the very end of the last show, but uh, yeah, in honor of not only the Japanese Grand Prix being on at a time where we could stay up late and watch it, and being our 100th episode, as, as quite a milestone that that is, and the Bathurst 1000 uh, V8 Supercars race all being on at one time, it just all kind of came together and the universe aligned, and we decided we'd do a live video streaming show, and we did, and For it, it was 10 hours. spectacular. Yes, and it was... A lot of fun. It was really interesting to see people's faces, to hear people's voices, and to kind of have that one-on-one contact because, you know, it feels like talking with your friends. It feels conversational when we're doing the podcast, which for Jim and I is really easy because we are friends and we are talking. But, you know, just like the whole group, the whole community, and you kind of get that on the Facebook page and with Twitter and everything else. So to actually, like, realize that, in this live community uh, and be able to talk one-on-one was really great. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, we, we certainly appreciated that. And I have to say once again, you know, Jim really pulled out all the stops with uh, television sets and various computers and networking and this whole elaborate uh, system that was uh, quite impressive. No stops went unpulled, <laughs> we should say. Uh, but no, it was it was a lot of fun, and that was part of the whole fun too. Was doing something different for the show. Uh, but yeah, so as as it happened, uh, you know, we started uh, right at six p.m. promptly, and uh, had and a that couple would be Eastern Daylight Time, right, Michigan time here where we are, uh, and and it was it was fun. So that was when it was like eleven p.m. Uh, England time. So a lot of our, our you know, uh, you know, UK fans, uh, CKW among them, were, were just going to bed. So it was late for them. Yes, and we, we were just, we were just getting started. For sure. And uh, and then there was a little bit, you know, just kind of us doing our show uh, before the uh, before the Australian race started. And then um, you know, throughout the course of the night, that was part of what was fun was different time zones coming and going. And there were some Aussies that were there the whole time because it was the middle of their day. And right. uh, you know, people on the west coast of the US, we think we're sort of in a in a real good spot time wise because then it was you know 1 p.m. It started at 1 p.m. and went on from there um or i guess our, our coverage would start at 3 p.m um and would right. go on till uh till 1 a.m i think at the end time right right either way um but yeah we had we had a we had a pretty quite broad spectrum of of times i think we probably covered between our aussies and um i don't if i don't we never heard from colin sato actively but i know that we we had some people on the west coast so that's what 15 hours spanned in terms of global time zones that we were covering there on Ustream. Pretty, yeah, pretty it, amazing. It was pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, and, and like we said, we were able to do some, uh, some Skype calls live and have people call in and uh, you know share their thoughts with us and with everyone else on, on, the, on the page. So it was a lot of good fun. Um, the thing is, though, is it was a live event. It wasn't, uh, we, you know, we didn't actually have it recording uh, to, to put together as the episode. So it was a little bit funny in that the whole point of the thing, or part of the point of the thing, was that it's episode 100. Um, and yet you, of course, are listening to episode 100 now. Um, but uh, there's there's no reliving it. That's that's live event, you know, live TV, or in our case, live internet, you know, streaming. Oh, it was very live. Uh, certainly live TV mistakes and live TV uh, problems to solve and roadblocks. So, yeah. Yeah, and it was, I mean, the, the F1 show Cats stopped by every once in a while, you know. <laughs> Uh, there was there was yeah all kinds of randomness happening in in real time, uh, but it was it was great fun, uh, and most of all it was you know really gratifying for us for our fans to be able to you know connect with us and and sort of 
you know, us to reflect a little bit on like 100 episodes and kind of, uh, you know, what we've done uh, in, in those 100 episodes and kind of what, you know, what we've uh, been able to accomplish and kind of the community that's come around the whole thing. And that's that's just sort of the most fun part about the whole deal. And uh, coming up, we're going to share uh, a little bit of some of uh, some more of that one on one interaction that we got to enjoy. But I think we kind of need to cover um, a couple of the two big events that made up our live episode, first being the Bathurst 1000 and uh, second being the Japanese Grand Prix. And uh, I'd like to start chronologically, if you don't mind, with the Bathurst 1000 and open the discussion by saying, boy, it'd be great if it were the Bathurst 900. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> exactly it. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, uh, the actual results, um, you know, my my level of interest in V8 supercars uh, very, very rapidly declined as the time of the Japanese Grand Prix race start was approaching. <laughs> and so the deal is both events were being shown on Speed Channel here in the U.S., Speed TV. So they decided they would uh, finish the Bathurst, you know, at whatever time that ended, and then just start F1 coverage whenever that finished. So uh, And, and then just tape delay it. Right. They, they didn't truncate F1 coverage. They just tape delayed it. Right. So... Uh, and I don't know if, if those of you that haven't watched the Bathurst 1000, that is a race with a lot of safety car periods. Right. So it is difficult to predict the end time because just looking at the number of laps and the lap times and sort of coming out with a figure is not an accurate way to do it, as we now know. Um, but apparently that was you know sort of news for Speed Channel, covering it live and lining things up the way that they did. So, um, yeah, in terms of the actual results, I, I found myself not... Uh, I mean, it was it was uh, Garth Tander and Nick Perkett were the winning drivers for their you know and, and a Holden. Uh, I do believe they were Australian. Hooray for them! Yes. Well, I mean, so here's the thing: like we we've seen supercar races before. We've been in and out of watching them, but it's it's a really cool series. And and Jim and I have had this conversation a couple of times. We talked about it on the live chat that in many ways we wish this is what NASCAR had become here in the states because these are uh, V8 you know. V8 engine, rear wheel, rear wheel drive, you know, sedans, and essentially, really American sedans. Even I mean, we're basically talking about GM and Ford. It's the Australian wings of the companies, but uh, it's still, you know, th- those are the two big rivalries we're talking about, which are the two biggest rivalries in NASCAR as well. But unlike a NASCAR, this is, it still has some modern racing components, and there's still some efforts to like just. NASCAR goes against against the grain and literally tries to, you know, fight progress, you know, making the cars purposefully heavy, purposefully primitive uh, suspensions and so on and so forth. These cars are still proper race cars and they're very impressive in terms of their top speed, their braking and cornering ability, but you're still fundamentally talking about a car that's somewhat heavy and has way more power than it has grip. And yeah, that's going to that, be exciting that, racing. That's a big key because there's not not enough downforce to mean anything really, uh, from what I can tell. Um, it's a, compared it, to what we're used yeah, to. Yeah, relatively relatively heavy cars. So they were doing uh, you know brake pad changes at the pit stops, which is sort of you know something cool that we that hadn't was seen before. For us, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and and just yeah, like you say, the amount uh, the the power to grip ratio is uh, is a fun one. And uh, and and then the track that we're on is, is the other oh, the other star of the man. Bathurst is the Mount that Panorama is the track. Coolest coolest track i really came away from that thinking that that would be one of the tracks to drive throughout the country i mean the 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 elevation change the how narrow it was 
the fast uh, the fast straightaways and then those that S's section that corkscrew section going uphill blasting up there. I mean, just mm-hmm. some really neat stuff in there. There'd be some real big compressions and uh, and uh, I yeah, very very cool place. And it was great. I mean, those engines made great sounds. The racing was really tight. They certainly didn't like. They didn't settle into a groove. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. 24 Hours of Le Mans definitely has that settling into a groove type of feel. And you didn't get that here. It was pretty manic, pretty intense the whole way through that we watched. But, uh, yeah, but then 1.30 came around. <laughs> it started and we're, like, looking at the number of laps. We're like, oh, this might be close. And then it was another safety car. And then it was, okay, they're running into And then we sort of figure, okay, well, they, they might just go right to the checkered flag. All right, everybody, that was a Bathurst. And now on to F1. So we're kind of getting ready for that. And then they showed, you know, after the checkered flag and then some commercials. And then after that and some interviews. And then, com- I mean, it was not interviews, but, you know, like the podium celebration. And they're doing the whole thing, which at that point, we're just sort of like, uh, the race has started. The F1 race has started. Right. We're hearing reports of it live from people uh, in other parts of and the world. And we're actually watching, I think it was Australian coverage. Yeah. It was a webcam pointed at someone's television set. So F1 happening in Japan, being beamed up through satellite you know, service and cable TV into someone in Australia, uh, into Jono's house, who then is, you know, got Skype pointing at it, which is then bouncing back into the internet, but into Michigan. Uh, you know, to to my house, where we're then seeing it on a TV, where it's being captured by a webcam, being back uploaded to UStream, where it's then going back out to people all over the world, and <laughs> the quality of which, of course, goes kind of downhill with every step of that way. And uh, it yeah. was a copy of a copy of a copy it was, of a yeah. copy. Yeah, so it was it was a little bit screwball, and that that definitely kind of uh, you know that was the main event of our whole live show, and that kind of screwed screwed up the timing of it a little bit, and uh, you know it was a little hard because. We didn't, you know, anyone talking about the race would be spoiling it for us, you know, as soon as they know who wins or who, you know, what, whatever goes on with the race, they couldn't really talk about it. So it, uh, it, you know, sort of was a, you know, put a damper on things, trying to, there's a lot of confusion at the end there, but we stayed awake. We watched through the race at our own 25 minute delay and, uh, we were able to, to talk about it a bit at the end and then pretty much fall asleep afterwards. Cause uh, at that point we had been broadcasting for 10 hours and had been, uh, yes. awake for many more. And, and, uh, but yeah, it was just a, a very good time to, uh, yeah, to, to to share with everyone and and just you know kind of hang out and and talk talk racing all night. Absolutely. So yes, the Bathurst 1000 was it was very cool to watch. I would love to go see that race live one day. Um, it's definitely on my list. I mean, Australia going to Australia in general is already on my list. If I but picking which would I rather do that or see the Melbourne F1 race? That might be a tough call because Melbourne is definitely not the high top of my list of F1 races to see. Mm-hmm. But still, seeing F1 and Melbourne is supposed to be a cool atmosphere for sure. But the Bathurst, I mean, that is like a uniquely huge event, right? And those are very cool cars. And if you're going to see them there, that's the place to see them. Yeah. But um, so it was a cool experience and it was just unfortunate the way – uh, it was serendipitous, but it was it, not quite serendipitous enough. It ended up they ended up fighting each other a little bit. But, yeah. So if, if if Speed Channel were more like you know ESPN or one of the other big sports networks, uh, or like you know BBC and stuff happens internationally, where they can say, oh right, hey, we're going to finish this race over on our secondary channel. Uh-huh. Now we're going to watch the F1. So those that are really keen on watching the checkered flag of the Bathurst, hey, just change the channel. You'll be fine. And the rest of us who have just turned in trying to watch this F1 race, you know, then that would have been fine. Totally cool. We can say, all right, hey, the Bathurst is almost done, but we don't care. Time for F1. We do our thing, um, which was not how it went, in, how it went down. And, it, you know, it's, we have, of course, talked about this in the last few weeks uh, and months. Just, you know, how, what, what is and isn't good about the coverage in the U.S. And, of course, there's a the whole BBC deal and the way things are changing around. And I think this, this put it into perspective for a few people. I think Tim Meekins mentioned that even personally of uh, I'm just, you know, they're concerned about – 
you know, maybe F1 will be on a different channel or maybe there'll be some confusion and you have to be on a, on a pay subscription for some races and some races will be free and whatever. But it's, you know, the fact that here in the U.S. it's just, you know, delayed. If, you know, for those of us that did stay up to watch it live and it's just being, being you know, not preempted but delayed by something else. It's kind of, you know, just the state of things and, and you know, looking at the tweets and stuff from, uh, you know, Speed Channel, they're, you know, that's like, they just they were sort of caught between a rock and a hard place. They had agreements to do broadcasting on uh, uh, of the Bathurst and of course on F1 and have to do, have to do a certain number of commercials for people that have paid for them and all right. that the whole thing. So it just kind of no one really uh, could quite make it all work uh, properly. And if you're not an F1 fan and they push they kind of push the NASCAR angle on on just the way Speed covered it and how they promoted it. You know they had Daryl Waltrip over there and uh, I forget the guy's name something Nash I think it is. Um, those are NASCAR commentators for speed. So uh, they were clearly kind of pushing the NASCAR angle of it. So if you weren't an F1 fan and you did specially tune in for the bathroom, That would be the worst thing ever. And they cut it off It'd right be like at the half end. a lap to go. Right. And it was nose to tail racing too. I mean, to it his was, credit. Yes. You know, the, it was very exciting. The safety so. cars and all that definitely helped that. But yeah, it, it, I would – exactly. I would be – uh, very displeased if I didn't have the opportunity to change the channel. If it's like, oh, and we're done showing that race, you know, that that's that's not a good solution either. So anyway, um, anyway, on to on to the race and the Japanese Grand Prix weekend. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch practice very much, and uh, I, I don't know if Jim did either. I was busy setting up the uh, the whole system. So there it was for our live broadcast. We we did catch qualifying, and it, it was. It was interesting how what we saw in uh, Singapore carried over here a bit in terms of some of the back markers um, that made it to Q3 didn't even bother to uh, participate in Q3. Yeah, the, the first thing, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, was with Nico Rosberg uh, in Q1 not being able to set a lap. I mean, he you know, started on his lap and it didn't go. So at least that sort of took the pressure off of Q1 because it's pretty much always going to be the bottom six, uh, you know, the bottom three teams plus one guy. And of course, well, then when Nico Rosberg is that one guy, that's, you know, just a relief for the STRs and Saubers and, you know, Williams Force of Indias yeah. of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but yeah, then, uh, and then in Q3, though, that was the deal. It was, we had six cars uh, setting lap times, you know, the, the usual suspects of the top three. Um, and then, uh, and then Kamui Kobayashi went and sort of, I guess, as, as they wrote it down, he started a timed lap, but too late. Uh, so, I mean, he did a lap, but apparently, you know, I guess, I don't know if they just aborted it at the very end or whatever. Um, and then there was some confusion because there was a provisional grid that was published that had him just, you know, 10th or, you know, wherever yeah. he was based on his Q2 time. Um, and, then, and then there was some discussion about, well, he did go on track and set a lap. And isn't that better than not going on track at all? So, okay, well, we'll put him behind all the people that did actually set times in Q3. So then he started seventh, which is kind of funny the way that worked out, that just by going and setting a low-speed lap moved him up potentially three places to uh, it is, into seventh spot. It is a little bit clever on Formula One's part, though, because you don't want that to become a trend where – you only have four or five guys participating in Q3. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's part that's of the point the, of the whole knockout qualifying is that, you know, Sebastian Vettel has to come out at the beginning of every session, even if he knows all he has to do is come in at the very end and set the fastest time ever. But every session, everybody's got to set a time. And uh, and there's been some, some talk about that. So, I, I, first of all, I'm pretty sure this means um, we won't see teams not run at all in Q3. It seems like it's now worth it, even, you know, even if you just use... Uh, harder tires just to go out and set some lap, but then it's sort of, you know, it's sort of this is 
woken the teams up a little bit to like, wait a minute, you know, so I don't know if they'll be, they'll be looking down the garages a little more closely to see, you know, who of their rivals is going out in Q3 or if now just everyone will go out in Q3. And it seems like if you're going to go out and set a lap and do the whole timing to make it work on one set of tires, you might as well use some good tires and, and really try to, you know, get some reasonable results. So it's, it's kind of funny that it uh, almost, whether they intended to or not, have almost sort of called the bluff on this whole, don't bother setting a lap in Q3. We're not going to get much better because, you know, four people, four drivers not taking a lap. I mean, that's a pretty big difference. If there's, you know, one driver, if I'm, you know, Bruno Senna and I just squeak into, uh, to qualifying and, you know, the other guys are setting laps, it's like, okay, well, whatever. I mean, I'm probably not going to move up that much, but when it's, when it's, you know, four drivers, you could potentially move up four spots by just doing a lap. That's yeah. uh, that's a pretty big change. Yeah, absolutely. So once we got to the pointing end of the grid, it was, it was kind of exciting. It was, it was a pole. It was a pole race against uh, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, and Jensen Button, and those were the three that really seemed to be able to compete with each other. Yeah. And it turned uh, Vettel stayed on top. He maintained uh, Red Bull's perfect pole position run of this season by nine thousandths of a second, and. Uh, that was ahead of not Lewis Hamilton, but ahead of Jensen Button. Mm-hmm. So here we had one and two in championship, the only two mathematically able to compete in the championship, one and two on the grid, which is always fun. And separated always by virtually nothing. I mean, you know, over the course of a whole lap, the fact that it came down to you know just less than a hundredth of a second is just really kind of incredible. And Lewis Hamilton was third there, but uh, again, this happened again the second time in a row. He did not go out for a second time lap in Q3. He missed it. Yeah, it was it was kind of a weird setup too, and I haven't seen a, a clear explanation because he was on an outlap um, to, on, to to go set a good time and slowed down, which actually me- messed up Mark Webber and Schumacher's uh, races behind him. They kind of had to get around him to to you know make this happen, and um, and then ended up speeding back up. But then he by that point he had missed the checkered flag. I guess he was trying to time it and. Whether there was an issue with the car or whatever, he, uh, he didn't admit that there was any error. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, I screwed up or the car broke or whatever. I mean, the car wasn't broken, obviously. But uh, it was just kind of like that that happened. Yeah. You know, sort of one of those things. We're not really sure. If it, it almost it, sounded like <clears throat> just the way traffic was as he was getting into his outlap or something, he had to slow down enough that it just didn't work out for him. I, the details were a little bit fuzzy for us. But um, – uh, fourth place qualifying was actually Felipe Massa. He outqualified Fernando Alonso, who was in fifth. And Mark Webber was all the way down in sixth on the grid. And he was seven-tenths off of uh, Vettel for pole, which we've we've seen that before, where Vettel is several-tenths ahead of everybody. But this time, uh, you know, it was actually quite tight at the front, and Mark Webber was still seven-tenths behind. So it was actually a pretty darn poor performance on his point on his part, and I don't know if there was a specific reason for that. Maybe we're going to find out in two weeks that he's broken his, you know, broken four of his ribs in a mountain biking accident. And he just didn't want to tell anybody. But yeah, it's uh, it was really a shame to see uh, Weber not closer to the front and really struggling, not just against uh, not just against his teammate, but against. All of the top three teams. Yeah, and with all the speculation going into this, is oh Suzuka's a perfect track for the Red Bull car, and we've talked about that a little bit. I mean, it's you know oh Monza's going to be no good for Red Bull, and they were brilliant there. You know, like there's uh, you know, there there are a few places where the Red Bull car is not good. I mean, it is just a really really solid car, and uh, they've they've really got their 
you know, where they have to make compromises, they really always seem to have, have chosen wisely in terms of downforce versus grip and, uh, and, and drag and the whole deal. But uh, yeah, so it was it was a little bit surprising to not see a, a dominant Vettel performance. And we were, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, I think I think you were sort of keeping an eye out for is Vettel just kind of psyching, psyching himself out a little bit. I mean, he's always said in interviews and in all these different places, oh, I'm not thinking about the championship. I'm not worried about it. We don't really believe yeah, that. No, I mean, how can you it, not, not this think about the championship? Yeah. Um, you know, half you know, halfway through the season, you know, six races ago, okay, not thinking about it. You know, whatever. It's easy. For, it's easy for you to say, of course, when you're out in the lead, but you can't not be thinking about it. Right. But um, you know, if if he's starting to sort of wig himself out a little bit, like, hey, I'm on the cusp. Maybe I can be, you know, double world champion and blah blah blah. Like, if it kind of psyched him out, I mean, he had a crash in practice. We didn't really mention that, but um did have a crash in practice and we're like, oh, is this a chink in the Vettel armor? You know, does it all come unraveled or whatever? And, and you know, no. But uh, it, and, it yeah. wasn't as dominant a performance as usual. Um, was that down to, you know, psychological stuff or was that actually just the, the car? But I think that the performance delta between Vettel and Weber says, you know, maybe it was just down to the, the way the cars were set up and the way they were using the tires and so on. Uh, just didn't quite work out as dominantly as it has in the past. Right. I mean, it's it's basically an impossible for someone to not be thinking about the championship when the championship means so much to all the drivers. Of course, it means a ton to Vettel to be a double champion. You know, that alone puts him in very exclusive territory. And, you know, to do that at such a young age and all these different factors, of course, it's a huge achievement. Of course, he's going to be thinking about it. It's just... It's just a lie to say he's, it's not on his mind. It, it, he doesn't want it to be on his mind. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be thinking of those terms. He wants to treat this race just like any other, but it's impossible to do so, right? But, you know, none of us were really that concerned for him because mathematically this was the, this was the race that was going to confirm him as champion, but really he basically locked it up last race. Mm-hmm. His performance in Singapore, you know, the you know the circumstances that would have unraveled the championship at the end of Singapore were such that they were statistically basically you know not going to happen. Yeah. So you know it was mostly a foregone conclusion, but you know it, it was nice to have that tension leading up to the race. Now for the race, we don't we don't. I mean we have a couple things we want to talk about, but we don't actually have that much to speak to simply because of what we described earlier in the podcast of just. The live and the delay. Well, there's a few so things going on. I mean, first of all, yeah, that we were watching this feed of a feed of a feed. That we were getting sort of reports coming in from all over the world from people watching it at slightly different times and time zones, and there's some delay in the chat room and the whole deal. Yeah, we're also sort of still broadcasting, so we're trying to still, uh, you know, make sense of what's going on and, and talk about it with people and have a conversation. We've also both been up for getting closer to 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, it's at that also point. three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Uh, you know, there, so that for a variety of reasons, the actual race um, is is a bit hazy, uh, and you know, we may we may. It feels like uh, in my mind now, it feels like the race was about fifteen minutes long. It does. It went so fast. It, it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it does because we you know we're sort of looking at the timing and we're like, wait, we're ten laps in, what? You yeah. know, well, how many laps? Fifty three. You know, it was like we're we're it, getting there. You it know, if you fast. look at the results, it was one of the quicker races. The whole race was just over an hour and a half long, so it definitely was one of the quicker events Mm -hmm. and but we can discuss what we know and i think uh we might as well start at the most important point which is sebastian vettel he ended up finishing third and he did in fact win the championship sebastian vettel is the 2011 drivers world champion yeah i guess we kind of buried the lead on that huh (laughs) 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 
Here, yeah, now, you know, whatever, where we are, 23 minutes into the podcast, <laughs> Sebastian Vettel is 2011 F1 World Drivers Champion. Uh, yeah, there, there it is. I there mean, it that, is. We, we sort of figured if, if somehow it didn't happen this weekend that it would happen next weekend, but here it is. It's done. He can finally go on to not thinking about something else now and um, <laughs> just say he's not thinking about race wins anymore and he's not thinking about yeah, his, his exactly. future anymore. He's right. just, just driving, just, you know, <clears throat> whatever I can see in my vision is all I'm concerned about. Yeah, uh, so that, I mean, it's it's quite an achievement. It was it was pretty wild to see, uh, you know, Sebastian getting, you know, sort of, you know, really emotional in the car at first. Uh, and they're sort of, you know, world champion, you've done it. And he's just, you know, thanking everybody and doing everything he can think of. And then in the interview room, because he was on the podium, <clears throat> um, that, you know, he had a, like a proper 25-minute speech uh, worked oh, yeah. out about just Which how it all came together. was funny because he abo- he apologized to the other guys on the podium for taking so long, and then continue to go in, on yeah, for another in, 10 minutes. In, like, the first quarter of the speech, it was like, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm going on kind of long. But, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. I mean, whatever. Uh, you know, he's he, he's just a kid. You know, what, what are you going to do? He's double world champion. There's a lot to process you know, yeah, going hey. on. And, and it was cool. I mean, Sebastian Vettel, uh, are, uh, you know, just, you know, kind of overwhelmed by it all. But then Alonzo sitting there, second place on the podium, um, this says, you know, the sort of, you know, the uh, the interview, of course, Will Buxton is asking them in, in order, in typical order, asking the winner, you know, how did everything go, blah, 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 second place, and then to third place. Um, so w- when they asked Alonzo, um, he's like, well, first of all, congrats to, you know, Sebastian over here and just double world champion, dude, and just kind of like, yeah, right. I, I know where you're at, you know, youngest right. double Alonzo, champion, blah, which, blah, blah. Yeah, like, Alonzo shares these moments very closely with Vettel. You yes. Know? Very, very similar situation for Alonzo in 05 and 06 mm-hmm. uh, to what Vettel's going through now. So I, there was that, that was a real nice moment, and, and Alonzo gave props, which was nice. Yeah. And <clears throat> the one person that entering this race uh, was mathematically able to compete with Vettel did everything he could to compete, and that's Jensen Button. He won the race. This is his third race win of the season. This whole kind of momentum and everything that there's kind of been a buzz in the media, and we've been talking about it ourselves, of Jensen really getting turned on and driving as best as he ever had. Well, it's just another confirmation of that. And he, he takes this win as a, I guess it's his way of thanking the McLaren team for giving him a new three-year contract mm-hmm. and uh, so many other things. I mean, it, it, his performance was phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, thinking back to the podium, it's... It's Alonzo, double world champion, congratulating Vettel, now double champion, and and Button in the middle, like soon, you know, <laughs> maybe that'll be me, yep. maybe next year, yep. maybe the year after that. But it's just like you know, he's got the one, but he really wants to prove that it's just not the fluke of a brilliant car. And uh, and like you said, I mean, fastest lap and just doing a, a sterling job in this race to uh, to go on and, and win it. And it was basically after um, you know, so so Button, of course, you know, started. Uh, started second, like you mentioned, just you know nine thousandths of a second behind. But but Hamilton did get in front of him uh, earlier in the race, uh, so it was it was you know uh, Vettel, Hamilton, Button running for a while. Uh, but then you know Hamilton ended up you know slowing off. It turned out he had a puncture, but it you know didn't really seem like a puncture. It just sort of you know went, went a little bit wide and so on. Um, and then yeah, they cycled through pit stops and uh, and all that. And um, uh, you know basically just you know once he got the ra- got got the the lead of the race, um, just never let it go. I mean Vettel uh, had to do you know. I think they had higher, higher than normal tire wear and uh, and had to do, you know, maybe an unexpected pit stop or, you know, kind of had to, you know, get on the back foot with their strategy a little bit. And then the Red Bull had to be really easy on his tires because they sort of had to do the second half of the race on the, on the harder tires. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Button just did everything he possibly could and, uh, and you know, really did well to, to win the race and, and, and make, it, make it count. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I think so. We do okay, a couple quick. Mark Weber did end up finishing the race fourth. He did recover a little bit from his uh, terrible qualifying, and we really have to call it terrible given the circumstances. Um, and then Lewis Hamilton ended up finishing fifth. Now again, Hamilton's trying so hard. You can tell he's trying so hard to not be controversial. You know what I mean? I, I, if he, you can, I think genuinely sense that he really is tired of it. He just he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He just doesn't want to be in the news. He just wants to be left alone, right? Mm-hmm. And he's trying so desperately hard. But <laughs> yet again, he's he's banging around in races. He's He's got punctures. He's having crazy things happen to him, and he's having trouble with another fellow driver. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to get a song unstuck from your head. I mean, you, there's you can't you can't just do it. You really, I, you know, he's just trying to avoid conflict. But it, you know, it's like oh, I'll just probably I'll back off here and get out of these people's way. Oh no, I'm in their way because I backed off. And oh, and like I'm just driving my race. Oh, I got to pass this guy. Who is this? Oh, look, it's Felipe Massa, oh, my good dear. buddy. You know, oh, that's who dear. I want to run into on, on the racetrack of all people. I mean, it's like yeah. You, he can't. You can't plan this. I mean, everyone's trying to go as fast as they can. Everyone's trying to make passes and and be aggressive and, and do their thing. But it's like, you know, we're kind of watching the race and things are unfolding, and we're like, oh look, it's Hamilton and Massa, and you know they're you know have come right on right next to each other. And, now, and guess what? Contact. Yeah, and this is one that I think uh, on board with Massa with the first shot we saw, we're like, oh look, Massa kind of turned into him. You know, what's going on with that? That was some aggression on Massa's side. And then we looked up from outside the car in a different angle. We're like, well, no, Massa's right at the very edge of the track. Yep. Hamilton kind of goes into his car, uh, you know, his little sort of side contact, and thinking that, like, well, where's Massa going to go? I mean, it, unless he just drives himself straight off the track. Uh, so it sort of came down a little bit more on Hamilton's side. Um, but, again, because it was a little bit disjointed the way we were watching it, um, it you know, uh, you know, the stewards ended up deciding it was a racing incident. There was no penalties or anything, which, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, if, if you looked at this incident, if it didn't have – if there wasn't the history, especially the recent history between the two of them. And there's actually not even just a recent history. These two have been kind of battling each other for years mm-hmm. away. Uh, think of the 2008 championship. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if none of that existed, you'd probably be okay with calling it a racing incident. But because – there's the Ferrari Tafosi and there's the hardcore Hamilton fans. You know, it's obviously people are going to disagree with each other on it. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I ultimately think that calling a racing incident is okay. Um, so, and, and speaking of racing incidents, though, um, one thing we did see that we we should mention is right at the very beginning of the race, uh, Jensen Button did get a quite a, a, a slightly better launch than Vettel did, mm-hmm. and was going for the lead starting the beginning of the race and uh Vettel was quite aggressive coming over on Button and Button actually ended up in the grass. Well, Vettel says he had no idea that Button was there. Um which, you know, that's his word, who knows, whatever, yeah, you know. No, but that must have been where thinking about the championship was cuz yeah, he's completely he, unaware. It was of it. not in his mind. <laughs> so I mean, so you know, if if you look at it from that lens, okay, well, if Vettel's just driving his race and doing his line and you know, and just doing his thing and it's like, "Oh, wait, oh, you know, whoa, there's a car over there and yikes, you know, it, it's you know, I, I don't know. You can you can prove one way or the other what the deal was, but uh, anyway, that's that's Vettel's take on it. Was just like he was doing his thing and like you know surprised that I guess that uh, that Jensen got so good of a start and and you know wasn't uh, wasn't aware that he was he was over there, which is fair. But uh, if 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 that were the case, why are you over there then? That certainly isn't the quickest way to turn one. Do you know what I mean? Like that's you know his default defensive driving, I suppose to default from pole to go defensive and come across the inside 
So he's saying he did that just instinctually without Jensen Button being there. Well, if that's what you're doing, you have to look for somebody in case they did get a good launch. Yeah, and I guess that's part of what's cool about a decreasing radius corner, like sort of the turn one complex at Suzuka, is that you know you can you can dive into the first apex deceptively quickly before you then have to kind of slow up more for the harder right-hander. And, uh, and that's part of what's interesting about it is there's sort of a number of different ways you might be able to kind of go through there and how late are you willing to break and how much speed do you want to carry through the first part or set yourself up for the second part. And that's part of what makes it fun. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, this also, I guess, you know, part of what makes it a little bit tricky. But, uh, yeah, and uh, as you uh, as you were alluding to, I think, you know, there was also no penalty awarded right. there, which, you know, really could have spoiled things one or the other, you know, between between either Vettel or Button to to have one of their races be, you know, just set back by a penalty that was sort of eh, maybe it was this guy, maybe it was that guy, maybe it wasn't even a big deal. Um, and, and presumably the stewards were, you know, were looking more closely from all the angles at uh, Vettel's line and determining, okay, well, you know, he wasn't either moving his head in such a way that he had looked over and, you know, maliciously saw Jensen and decided, oh, I'm going to move in on him. I just was sort of doing his own thing. Uh, you know, they, they must have sort of come to that conclusion or at least something that it wasn't uh, an act of malice. Um, I have a theory, actually. Yeah. I think he was thinking about the championship oh, and he... just really didn't want to screw it up. And again, whatever. We'll 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 leave it at that. Um, so we have listener feedback, like we always do. Yes. But we have bonus special hundredth episode listener feedback that uh, we really want to get into. So I think we're going to do that, and uh, you know, join us. Yes, and for. Any more kind of in-depth conversation, if you guys have other questions or things you want to talk about about this race and so on, keep in mind we've got another race coming up from Korea in just a week's time. So feel free to either email us, feedback at f1show.com, or set up the uh, look up on the Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter, or tweet at us there. Um, but, but don't uh, keep in mind the championship. Don't think about don't that. Don't think about the it's championship. not on your mind. Don't, don't keep, yeah, don't. Just leave it Leave it aside. It's aside. But uh, if you do have any particular questions or anything you want to bring up, feel free to, to do so. And, uh, you know, the Facebook page is always a fun forum to, uh, to discuss these things. And we can maybe go into it in a little bit more depth in the next show, episode 101, as it will be. Ooh! But for now, yeah, we've got plenty to hear for now. So, Jim, Craig writes, Hi! Been doing some work behind your backs. I private messaged all the regulars and asked if they'd fancy doing a small sound file and or picture for the 100th show, and many replied. Hope you like the surprise. Best wishes, Craig. And here's what we got. Hi, Jim and Robin. Congratulations on your 100th F1 show podcast. Love from the Hornets. Christian is so dreamy. Hello, guys. This is Bernard A. saying congratulations on the 100th show of the Formula One show. Good stuff. Keep it up. Aloha, Jim and Robin. This is Colin in Hawaii. Oh, wait, wait a second. Oh, yeah, that's better. Congratulations on your 100th episode. It's quite a milestone in the world of podcasting. I'd like to thank you for a great show and your analysis and enthusiasm for Formula One. I'd also like to thank Sergio Perez for stealing Robin's Formula One ride. If it wasn't for that singular event, we might not have this great show to enjoy. Jim, your patience is commendable. I absolutely love how you're always trying to make a point while Robin chimes in with the color commentary. But hey, 
Somebody has to be the adult in the room. I have one question though. How does a white guy end up with a Chinese last name? Just kidding, guys. Thanks a lot for the great podcast. Looking forward to another 100 episodes. Aloha. Happy 100th episode. Hey, Jim and Robin. It's uh, Daniel Jewell here from uh, Melbourne, Australia, wanting to congratulate you both on reaching 100 episodes of the F1 show. Now, I uh, first uncovered your podcast in early 2008, and at that stage, you guys were about the only F1 uh, podcast around that regularly produced an episode. And even now, three and a half years later, I think you guys put together the most informative and entertaining F1 podcast around. Look, we'd all like to thank you both for the long hours that you put into the podcast, which is something that we all truly appreciate. Now, for me personally, you help make my long trips uh, on the train into work uh, quite amusing and, and, and bearable. But look, keep up the good um, work, guys. And uh, it's Daniel here from Melbourne, signing out. Hi, Jim and Robin. This is a happy 100th episode message from Laurie in Canada. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jim. Hey, Robin. This is Sean Scanlon here, wishing you a happy 100th birthday. Or should that be 100th episode? I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. Um, just just to let you know that your telegram from the Queen, uh, you get one of these when you hit 100 years old, uh, it will arrive in the post shortly. That's if Charles will stop trying to kill the poor woman and become king himself. Anyway, I was walking through town the other day when I noticed Sergio Perez. That's right, Sergio Perez, you know, the Sauber guy, the Mexican, the one in the white car, had a bit of an accident in Monaco, scored eight points at the time of recording. Anyway... Um, I noticed him eating an ice cream bar after he decided he would stop driving all of a sudden. I think it might have been raining. Anyway, uh, being the loyal F1 show listener that I am, I thought I'd stop off and ask him for a quick interview and a quick uh, promotion. You know, hi, I'm Sergio Perez and this is the F1 show. He didn't quite do that. Um, well, take a listen. Aliba, Aliba, hola, Holmes, I am Sergio Perez, and Robin, I steal your light. Ha, 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 tacos, tacos, tacos. Anyway, I go steal more lights now. Tacos! Well, I don't know if that was, um, if he was drunk, or he was just being slightly racist towards his own people, or maybe it was just some weird Englishman being racist to Mexicans. Anyway, happy 100th, guys. Here's to the next 100. Hi, this is the prediction stud, Neil Popham. I just wanted to add my congratulations to Jim and Robin for reaching their 100th show. I really appreciate the effort you guys put in, so please keep it up. Cheers. Hi, it's CKW here. Just a quick audio message to wish you all the best with your 100th F1 show podcast. I'm off now to chase some haggis and eat a deep-fried Mars bar and practice some more on my bagpipes. Here's a recording I did earlier. It's not bad, eh? Oh yes, and it's uh, Craig, not Craig. Thanks very much.
Yeah, wow, that was brilliant, you guys. And uh, first, thanks, uh, CKW, for coming up with the inspiration to do that, and then uh, certainly for, for everyone for contributing. That's uh, a lot of part of the fun of this was not only you know seeing people live and talk to them, but even the people that put in the, the time to record these little bits and send them to us. And uh, you know they're now part of uh, immortal parts of F1 show uh, of, of you know the show the, itself. Uh, the lore of the show itself. And uh, in addition to that, some people also uh, took the trouble to send photos, um, which we hugely appreciate. Uh, we got a kick out of them and uh, are now also on our Facebook page for other people to share. Um, a special thanks to the uh, Hornets for um, dressing up and getting their hair all done for this photo as well. That was a nice touch. We appreciate that. Um, uh, so, yeah, really neat, uh, neat way to thank us. And, uh, again, you know, Craig being the official ambassador for the F1 show just continues to uh, hook us up in ways that uh, are, is, is a lot of fun. We really appreciate that. And uh, just everyone else that participated. Um, but we also had uh, some other things outside of that that were uh, hugely appreciated. Uh, I, I think we want to start with um, uh, John Cox. Yes, and we, uh, you know, this is when I wish that we were recording this part of the live show. Yes, uh, because <laughs> I. So we got a we got a package in the mail from John Cox, and uh, and and I saved it to open until we were, you know, you know, the both of us here and and actually broadcasting live, as it turned out. Um, but uh, we opened it up, and it, it turns out John Cox works at the U.S. company that distributes F1 2011, the video game, Great. which is brilliant. Awesome. And he says, hey, guys, you know, he sent us an email and sort of said, like, you know, hey, if anyone, you know, deserves to get a copy of this game, it's you guys, and, and which we appreciate greatly. So that's that's brilliant to even have that thought. And uh, and so, yeah, we opened the package, and, uh, and, and we, you know, pull out the games, and we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, we opened the package, and uh, not only has John taken the time and effort and trouble – to send us a, a P, PS3 copy of the game for me and an Xbox copy of the game for you. Uh, but he personalized them with uh, photos <laughs> of us uh, added uh, over the uh, driver on the cover of the, of the, of the game. And uh, so what's so unfortunate, what Jim was getting at, was when we saw that first time live and were surprised by it, we had a great reaction that uh, unfortunately is, is lost lost forever but uh it was hugely appreciated and um we have already sampled uh, uh the xbox version of the game and uh we, we it was a lot of fun we we had a lot of fun with it yes yeah, so thank you very very much for uh for for thinking of us and then for you know you know even personalizing the whole deal and and uh, sending us the games i think that's just a a brilliant addition and uh and i guess if if anyone else out there feels that they uh, have something that we should know about or uh, or be a part of, whatever. Then uh, certainly get in touch because it's it's always fun to you know get feedback, whether it's photos, whether it's audio clips, whether it's actual things, you know, actual tangible items. It's just so much fun for uh, for us to just get that kind of thing from the community. We love we love when we can get interactive with uh, with different things, and if people feel to you know if people feel like they want to put in the time and effort to help us, uh, you know spend time with something attached to the F1 show, then, you know, we're, we're almost always all for that, you know, because it, it's, it's, it's just cool for us because, you know, we started this for a, for, for a fulfillment and for fun. Um, so when other people take it to that next level and put time and effort in, into that, not just listen to us, but actually inter interact with us, it's always special to us and we, and we hugely appreciate it. So uh, for John to, to think about a way to contribute and say thank you to us 
and that was unique to something he could do was 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 great and and we're extremely appreciative of 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 the games i mean that's really fantastic yeah and and certainly just for everyone's participation in the live event you know everyone who was just watching that was commenting that was sending us little notes um pete s2k in sheffield who was like six red bulls in and was like i'm staying up all night guys i'm gonna watch this thing and he is probably he's staying up all week if he's on six red bulls he may be yeah uh but you know just and, and everyone that stopped by and, and we got a, a couple other emails and uh, and comments as well that uh, it sounds like just the feeling is mutual, that everyone had a good time, that they appreciate us putting on the show. And it's just, you know, it's, it's all part of the fun. And we, we appreciate, you know, the, the, the show itself um, wouldn't be a show. It would just be you and me talking to each other about F1 while we watch it uh, if it weren't for the whole community. And that's what makes this, you know, something special and, uh, and something cool. So Yeah. And speaking of the community, uh, you know, and going back to the F1 2011 game, there's definitely a contingent of F1 show fans that are also into the game and participate in the game. And we have... Um, a you know an F1 show F1 2010 I think it is now but I think it's shifting over to 2011 like how well are you doing kind of thing and we we if people have ideas to want to get connect the F1 show to the 2011 game and play along with each other in kind of ways you know we're we're open to to doing those type of things and hearing about those type of things as well yes and I think the other uh, big feedback item. Uh, is that a lot of people were like, oh, that was great that you just live streamed this this race. Now do the next race and every other race after that. <laughs> and while we would love to do that, there's a whole new level of, of time and planning and preparation and everything that goes into that. So, uh, yeah, it's not that we're going to start doing every race. I mean, episode 100 is obviously a milestone. Every once in a while, uh, the stars may align where we actually have the, the time and the ability to do it all. Uh, but you know, if it's if it's something that you know everyone just thinks is the is the greatest thing, and uh, you know can help us you know expand the show so that there's you know the, the numbers behind it that everyone can come and, and be a part of it and have a, a whole vibrant community. Uh, also, we don't have to live stream uh, endurance races all the time. That's the other thing. I mean, this was a little bit ambitious with uh, doing the, doing the Bathurst race and F one, and then the whole the, the whole scheduling obviously was was confusing. So, uh, you know, we definitely we we hear you on that, and uh, we're sort of we're always looking into different options and creative ways of making things happen. But uh, uh, you know, you know, be aware that uh, you know normally it's still the audio show. That's that's still our focus, and that's that's what the F one show is is all about uh, as it as it stands now. But. Uh, uh... The F1 show was actually not the only podcast involved in uh, the F1 show live streaming. Yeah. As we, it ha- yep. Uh, we, uh, we had a uh, call, and it was right in the middle of the night. I mean, it was smack in the middle of our coverage, so I don't know how many people were participating at the time. But we had a nice long discussion with uh, Mr. C from Side Podcast. Yeah, and- which, which is like that, the other big F1 podcast, you know, I think maybe possibly the biggest uh, F1 podcast, depending on the, how you... you know, I, yeah, uh, we, we could... If anyone knows the numbers on these things, I have no idea. But, they may be the biggest. We could also be the smallest that's still current and going. Who well, knows? This Whatever. Is, this is the biggest F1 podcast in my life, I would say. this. I'm, I'm there with you. Yes. But no, it was very cool to, see, to hear from Mr. C. And, it, and it's funny because, you know, uh, he was sort of interested in what we were doing, you know, just sort of the, the process of what was going on, as well as, uh, you know, just the actual race and sort of some, some racing discussion. But at the end of the day, after we got off the call, it was like, that was great, because that was just like a cool conversation you would have with other friends that are interested in F1 and just kind of an, an intelligent conversation of, um, the, uh, of some interesting topics. And at its core, that's, that's what the show is all about. You know, starting out is just you and I, but the fact that we've branched out from that. And uh, so there's people from all over the world that we would never have otherwise uh, you know, had any occasion to meet or talk to, um, you know, especially as, as other podcasters and everything as well. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been really great. So, uh, 
you know, it was cool of him to, to stop by and, and show up. And, uh, you know, he's just sort of cheering us on for doing the crazy live show stuff. And, he, you know, he sort of <laughs> knows what goes into an event like that. So I, I think he had some, some sympathy for us as well. Yes, absolutely. So here we are. We're, 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 we're recording the show now. It's, it's the following evening. It's now Sunday evening for us again. Still kind of in a daze, still kind of wrapping up. So uh, we, I'm sure, have missed a lot of people that we wanted to thank and mention and stuff like that. But uh, I guess one more time, thanks to everybody. It was a lot of fun to talk to different people, to have chats with them during the Bathurst, during the F1 race. Uh, you know, so this listener feedback is, is more of a listener. Thank you. And, uh, and so if, if we didn't mention you by name, uh, and we, it, we were still hugely appreciative of everyone, uh, that talked with us and, and I hope you, hope you enjoyed it as well. And to, as always, to leave feedback on this show or any other ones, uh, feel free to visit our website at f1show.com. And from there, you'll see links to us on Twitter and Facebook and uh, any other services that may come out in the future. So, uh, you know, you can take part in the conversation uh, at any of those points and, uh, and, you know, become a part of the community if you're not already. Okay, well, uh, we did not enjoy a Japanese cuisine meal last night. Uh, it did not work out. Turns out Livonia shuts down fairly early on a Saturday night. Uh, but we were not going to be denied some lovely sushi, some lovely teriyaki, some lovely... Uh, cold noodle, warm noodle, and various other... Some kind of, yeah, tasty Japanese delights. Uh, so the, that is the plan. Uh, basically, right after the show, we will go out and... Uh, and Celebrate. Make that happen. And, yeah, it'll be a, a nice sort of uh, finish to the whole craziness of the build-up and then sort of last night slash this morning, crazy late night, whatever, um, is that once the podcast is done and uh, everyone's, everyone's it's out there for the world, we'll be able to just go relax and uh, have some tasty sushi. And it's actually it's kind of a little – I've just started a book for my English class that I'm taking um, about a 2,000-mile walk along the length of Japan. This guy, Alan Booth, in the 80s walked 2,000 miles from the top northern point of Japan to the southern point of Japan. I didn't know there were 2,000 miles you could walk. Oh, yeah. It's, it, well, well, it's so there's the four big islands, yeah. and if you start – you start linking them up. Oh yeah, if you look on a map, you don't think of Japan as being all that big, right? And it's not, but it's it's like square mileage wise, but it's fairly narrow and it, it stretches out a long way. And uh, according to the book, and this is in the eighties, it's one hundred twenty million people. It's not a small country. Hmm. Well, now now he walked. Now it. we know. And he walked it. Yeah. So, so it's kind of there's cool. the taste of the race, and we've learned a bit about Japan itself. That's brilliant. Yay. All right, it is time for everybody's favorite part of the show, predictions, <laughs> where we yes. see if we are any better than a simple spreadsheet at predicting who is going to do well in the, few, in, in the next race, yes. at both qualifying and the race finish. Our famous heuristic model, um, which I think, actually, we should name at some point. Maybe the devil is a good place to start because the thing's <laughs> so right all the time, which is mostly Vettel's fault, but uh, I digress. So the last couple of events, you and I have kind of given up a little bit in a way or you could say wised up and just said Vettel is doing so well he has been so consistent why are we fighting this we are going to predict that Vettel is going to do well like as cool as it would be for you know Alonso to be on pole or for Hamilton to do something crazy it's like either Vettel has has dominated a race weekend or if if not he's not been that far off so right. it's really the safe bet 
And he still stayed within his box of best and worst performances. His worst performance is still fourth. He finished third. So, uh, you know, he, he's still... After qualifying on pole. Yeah, after <laughs> qualifying on pole. So he's still an extremely safe bet. You and, you and I agreed with his statistical model, and we were uh, across the board Vettel for Singapore. And we were right. None of us scored any points. Um, for Japan, you and I did the exact same thing. Uh, we went with the statistical model and said it was going to be Vettel across the board. We were wrong. Uh, Vettel was on pole, but he did end up finishing third, not winning the race. So uh, both, uh, all of us, uh, you, myself, and the statistical model got two points for the event. Um, however, if you go to Neil Popham's lovely and amazing uh, predictions model on the Facebook page, um, we are now, statistical model is solidly in first place with 28 points. James Payne still holding out, still doing very, very well in second place with 49 points. But now I am in third place alone with just 57 points. And you, sir, have moved up to fourth place with 60 points. Ooh, I'm gaining on you. You are? No, well, not at really, all. But I'm the same <laughs> distance back as I was before. Ratio-wise, I didn't you're gaining on me. Yeah, yeah there the, you go. Percentage-wise. Uh, uh, fifth place is uh, Bodhi... Uh, and he's got 63 points. And we got uh, Ben Hessenthaler with 66 points. He's tied with Sean Scanlon. They're both in sixth. In eighth is Craig the Kilt Wilson um, with 70 points. Ninth, Ken Frischnecht with 92 points. And Neil Popham, the creator of the model himself. The prediction stud himself. Holding it down with uh, in 10th with 101 points. Uh, so good for him. Great. That's all wonderful. That's old news. But... The time has come for us to predict Korea. And I have to say, right out of the box, it's not as easy because uh, I don't, I don't, we have, we've had one Korea race as precedence. The track wasn't even really done. It was just barely good enough to make it work. And it was a torrential downpour situation. That exactly. It was not really conducive to learning anything. So we don't really have a, this person's good at Korea and this person isn't. Well, background. Vettel didn't do well at Korea. That was like, you know, kind of messed up his whole points. Obviously not enough to cost him the championship last year, but... Uh, you know, with you know sliding around and and having issues and and well, so it wasn't. On. But Mark Webber was the one that really kind of was catastrophic in Korea. Yeah, wasn't yeah, because he went crashing with Rosberg, was it? And yeah, something like that. Yeah. So but anyway, there's. I mean, with any race, there's always the potential for craziness to happen and for for the the championship to be to be screwball. Here, of course, there's no change in the championship uh, in terms of the winner. That's done. But uh, yeah, in terms of number two position, you know, if it's a bad race for Button, blah blah blah. Uh, but the question is, of course, who do you think is going to be on pole? Who do you think is going to win the race? I'll start this time. Not, no, no worries on stalling. Um, <laughs> Vettel's going to be on pole position because he just is. Okay. But I'm, I'm not you, surprised that you're. You, you know who's going to who's going to rise above the conflicts with Massa and rise above the con the 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 lack of performance against his teammate. And and come back and actually start to show some of the old the old guy inside is going to be Ambrosio. Wow, yeah, good. No, Luke, Luke, De, uh, no, uh, Hamilton, man, Lewis Hamilton. How yeah. about that? I'm sick of doing Vettel uh, Vettel predictions all the time. And I'm well, let about... me ask you a question: Are you sick of doing Vettel predictions, or do you really think that Lewis Hamilton's going to win the race? No, I think I, I mean I don't have any factual reason for thinking that, but I think it's uh, it, you know. That's it's, it's what I'm saying for my prediction. Wow. Well, that's quite interesting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt myself and say the statistical model being the statistical model is going to say whoever won the race last time is going to win the race this time. And whoever was on pole last time was going to be on pole this time. 
Sebastian Vettel was on pole, so the statistical model says he's going to be on pole again in Korea. And since Jensen Button won the race, he is going to be um, the winner of the race in Korea. So, I don't think that Vettel is going to be on pole. And who is? I don't know. Because Lucas DeGrassi, wow, now that is... <laughs> well, here's the thing, because just as I was saying that, in, uh, as it came out of my mouth, I realized that Red Bulls have been on pole every single time. Yeah. And do I think Mark Webber's going to be on pole? No. I'm not so sure Mark Webber's going to be on pole. So maybe Sebastian Vettel is going to be on pole. Daniel Ricciardo, kind of a Red Bull? Yeah. I don't know. That's tough now. Cause so, I, I, so, so clearly you're just stalling at this I point. Am, well, I am stalling. I wasn't stalling, but now I'm stalling because... Once, I, you, once you think about it, you realize, oh... Yeah. I'm brilliant. No, screw it. I, 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 Vettel's not going to be on pole. He's not. There's, it, it, everything's new. Something's going to come up. It's been too perfect. I'm gonna. This is going to be the time it is breaks. Is Jensen Button going to get uh, no one hundredth so of a second faster? And... Lewis Hamilton's going to be on pole Ooh. position. Here's here's why. He's going to actually do a second run in Q3 His this time. Going to work out this third time. times the charm for that. And I, I I'm going to put Lewis Hamilton on pole for Korea. However. I'm going to put Jensen Button to win the race. All right, then. Because he's just – race strategy, Button, for the last five, six events, Jensen Button has been the strongest racing competitor. You know, the the times when Vettel has been winning the race, he, he ha- came from pole. He had some – you know, he builds up an early lead. But once Jensen gets on his form, you know, he is he is really tough to beat in race conditions. So I've been very tentative and cautious to to really make that button prediction, but I'm just I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit this time, and I'm going to risk my third place position in the in the predictions uh, tally, and and put my money on Jensen that this this wave of positive energy is going to continue. Well, the good news is uh, we predict different people uh, all the way around, so uh, at least something will change. Someone will be more accurate than the other, and, and you know it'll change, and that'll be, that'll be more interesting than us just all doing the same thing. Yes, well, that is very true. So I guess this is drawing to a close history. The, the triple-digit episode 100. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how it goes. It's, it's, it's funny because it's sort of the, the, the very end of this whole crazy last 24 hours a little um, bit anticlimactic in a way but in a way it's brilliant it's quietly brilliant it's quietly brilliant and it's going to end once the laptops are closed we're going to get in the car we're going to go drive get some lovely lovely japanese cuisine and just kind of close out the weekend in a, in a in a peaceful japanese garden kind of way we can reflect on sebastian vettel's success and drink some green tea and it'll all be lovely so uh as we mentioned, the Korean race is just a week away. This is a back-to-back uh, race series, so we'll, you'll hear from us again soon. And in the meantime, you'll want to keep up with us in all the variety of, uh, of fun ways. And uh, also, don't forget that uh, you always can visit warnermotorsports.com and, uh, and actually you know, become a little bit more involved with, with the community by, by getting you know, official T-shirts and stickers and things like that for the F1 show. And there's other cool uh, you know, kind of motorsports enthusiasts and uh, just kind of gearhead apparel and those kind of things there. So... Uh, you'll want to check that out as well. It's another cool way to, to, to be involved with us. And, of course, that helps support our operations here and, and keep things moving. But, uh, yeah, until you'll, you'll hear from us in another week. But until then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya!